Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello. 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 Welcome. (laughs) So mad at herself already. I know. I hated that. But you know what? In the spirit of being authentic, I will Mm. leave it in. I love that. And do you know what's interesting? Something I've learned about the lady we will be discussing in the coming minutes. Okay. She had a big thing for pageantry and introductions. Like it was her thing. Oh, so we should have prepared like a big, big intro. I mean, we don't have the wealth and influence and resources that this woman had, but mm-hmm. had we, I but think we that have would have the been. pizzazz. You're right. We have pizzazz. And honestly, mm-hmm. what more do we need? What more? Should we say who we are? Does that matter? I oh, guess that's it does. good. I think it matters. <laughs> I, I think it matters. I, I'm Chloe. Or as my mother likes to make me tell people, Chloe. Yes. <laughs> Why is that, dear listeners? Is Koshi French? Um, Half French. Woo! Maybe. And you Hi, are? I'm Maura. Um, my name sounds Irish. I look Irish. I am not Irish. That's my. That's true. Is your hair still red? Yes, it is. Wow. Mm. I know. <laughs> I really did fall into the like, how hard do you want to go like into the Anglophilic part? I don't know. And the answer is all the way. All the way. I mean, the answer is go big or go home. I was pretty much there already. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And now it's like, ooh, you know. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, you know, uh, what do we do here? We clearly. Historically Badass Broads, the podcast. Yes. Thank you. We like to talk about, (laughs) it is the title. We like to talk about ladies from history who Mm -hmm. we either know nothing about. Right. Should know more about or should have just mm-hmm. learned about it all and should be totally. talked about more. And absolutely. This one, we have no, to say that there's been a lot talked or, excuse me, <laughs> spoken about her yeah, yeah, would yeah. be a vast understatement. Not only do they talk about her, but I've learned that pretty much everything I thought I knew was wrong. And that's exciting. Ooh, controversial episode. We love it. Okay. I'm ready. Who's the lady? Cleopatra, baby. Cleopatra? My goodness. This I is know. exciting. Isn't okay, it? I'm excited. Yeah. Thanks. When you Heck think yeah. of Cleopatra, and yes, we are Shakespearean nerds. Do you this think of like what Anthony do I Cleopatra. think of? Yeah, what yeah, do you that think was, of? That was the first thing I thought of. Then I sure, thought about the sure. eyeliner. Did you think about the asp? The what? The snake that bites her and kills her, apparently. I did not. Oh, cool. Because that's like the first thing. Mostly because I'm... I, God, I'm so scared of snakes. I I don't have any oh, no. other fears. Like You don't? I, no, I'm not. I'm I, afraid I'm of one, everything. 
No, okay. Let me rephrase. I have anxiety <laughs> that's very severe. But like, if you oh, were to sure, tell sure, me what sure. my phobias were, like, oh, okay, it's just okay. snakes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so, I do. yeah. Am I scared of like many other things that are slightly irrational because they exist in my right. brain? Oh my god, absolutely every Ooh, day. Actually, I'm not sure mm. if I. Do you have any phobias? This is what I'm trying to think. Is there a difference between my anxiety and phobias? I actually am not sure I understand the difference. I'm afraid of like the dark, the ocean. Those seem like things that could those be phobias. Those are phobias. I think those are phobias. But they're anxiety based, I think. It's yeah, like they're driven anxiety by anxiety about the unknown. Yeah. So to me, those are more rational, whereas my fear of snakes is the most irrational thing not least of which people stop did you just s did you just make the hissing sound god no 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 god no i was i was inhaling i was inhaling and thought i apologize no 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 okay i'm just in the mode of thinking about them and now suddenly i feel like i'm surrounded by them. no 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 i i would say do you know what i think the Hmm. difference is not the rationality because i think snakes are dangerous so it's rational to be afraid of them similarly the I think evolutionarily, about it. <laughs> yeah, evolutionarily, like especially the the one about the dark, like we are vulnerable when oh, yeah. we can't see. 100%. That makes sense. But the fact so, no, that well, I'm afraid that there are things in the dark that most certainly are not there feels irrational. Well, those are irrational. And similarly, <laughs> yeah, I know I'm losing it. And similarly, yours might be irrational because there are no snakes. However, I'm thinking that the difference might be the level of fear like thinking about the dark doesn't make my skin crawl i just get anxious sure no well the reason why snakes seems to like freak you out to a different like physical it's not good it's not good yeah um the reason i say that this is an irrational fear is because i didn't used to have it it just happened mm-hmm. one day. I was, mm. listen, I was the girl. I went to zoo camp every year. I loved it. I loved that reptile house. I, I had fun. never heard of zoo camp before this very what? moment. Oh my God. I loved zoo camp. I threw a huge you. fit when I turned five and I didn't want to go. And every year that you went, it was like based on a different type of animals. So the first year were mammals. Um, and uh, I threw such a fit that the teacher said that if I didn't, if I, after that first day, didn't want to come back, they would like refund my mom. Um, but then she let me feed a Jaguar. So I was good. My gosh. Children. Love it. Five-year-old. I love it. I know. That. I had so much fun. But so hang I, on, I would hang like on, go- Hang on. Hang on. Hang yeah. on. Yeah. Not to um, expose your location. Yes. Because I'm not going to give a street address. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, you live in San Diego. That the is world famous. a famous zoo. So maybe they that makes sense that. why you would have zoo camp. Yeah. Well, it was the best. And I, I guess I have, have the it. Bronx Zoo. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if they have a zoo camp. That'd be fun. I mean, I'm not going now. <laughs> no, that's fair. I Listen, I have many complicated feelings about the zoo. But one of the things I do love about at least the world famous San Diego Zoo and its, its related organizations is that they are hugely instrumental in the preservation of um endangered and practically extinct species and that's something i do appreciate now do they need to have have a lion in there no that's stupid i if i wanted to see a lion i should go where lions are from okay i shouldn't see them in a cage bringing it back around yes snakes thank you i'm sorry no i hate to do this no, it's important because I could go. It's just I could go off on it. Um, so the okay, first so thing people think of is I snakes. was fine. Yeah, I was fine um, because 
I, well, let me just preface by saying uh, they didn't, the, the thing with the snake with her, Snape, ooh, Freudian slip. The thing with the snake with her didn't mm-hmm. exist. It never happened. And we're going to love, yeah. oh God, if we Drama. go about, do you remember, Chloe, in our discussions about the love of my life and existence, oh. Eleanor Vockelty. Eleanor. <laughs> we talked about, yeah, <laughs> I know this one. Eleanor. Um, <laughs> the one and only. Yes. If we, in our discussions about her, it was a lot about the what was what has been written about her, right? Not so much the facts of her life, but the perception right. that we have now, right? Yes. It's the yes. same yes. thing with Cleopatra, but to an almost mm. comical degree. And so, right. because, so I, I've taken Latin probably upwards of like eight or nine years and I, I'm very bad at it. So I have no excuse for being this bad at Latin. I, I, I can understand it to everybody a degree if I read it. Yeah, no, but no, 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 stupid. no, no. It's hard. It is hard. And you, you know what sucks about Latin? All of a sudden one day they're like, by the way, here's the subjunctive. It's a whole new thing of verbs. And it doubles the amount of verbs, like tenses you need to know. And you need to learn it overnight. And every time I have retaken mm. Latin, we get to the subjunctive. And I think my brain just gives up. Just gives up. That makes sense to me. I think so too. Absolutely. It's like, you don't need this. This is stupid. And I've studied so much medieval and like liturgical Latin. You don't, they don't give it crap about the subjunctive like it's fine i mean they do they do use it but it's very easy to identify and i know what they're trying to say anyway anyway cleopatra yes obviously she elicits this you know elizabeth she and elizabeth taylor are one and the same at this point i feel like um listen nothing against liz taylor but that movie like bankrupt a film studio okay hang Um, on let's go chronologically here (laughs) I'm getting lost. Start, start from the top. <laughs> okay, fine. Cleopatra was yes. born mm. around okay. 69 BCE. Great. Great year. That is... So when we talk about her life... Sorry, and I this is pedantic to Chloe, but I remember when I first learned this and I was very confused. When we talk about her life, the years are going to look smaller as she gets older. If that right. makes any that sense. That is how BC so, works. Yes. That I know. I'm just, listen, again, I don't want to be pedantic, but I, even no, to this no, day, I'm, I'm like, wait I'm a minute. Reinforcing. Yeah. Good. Yeah. So if we think about uh, time, modern time, at least like a, like a timeline, if in the middle is the year zero, everything after that is the common era, CE or after Christ or whatever. Um, and before is BCE before the common era or before Christ. And so, mm-hmm. um, everything in the earlier eras are like count down to zero, if that makes any sense. And then we count yeah. up again. So if that, that is always helpful to me, I always picture it like a, like a timeline, um, with mm-hmm. like zero in the middle. Um, mm-hmm. so she's, Oh God, she's so cool, guys. Oh my gosh. Okay, so she's born around 69 BCE. Her father is Ptolemy the 12th, also known as um, Alides, and her mother is most likely Cleopatra the 5th. So Cleopatra, whom we're going to talk about, is actually technically Cleopatra the 6th, but mm. everywhere she's referred to as Cleopatra the 7th, and I couldn't find any reason. Ooh why that was the case i think it was oh no i see why that was her sister was it her sister or was it her evil cousin 
anyway, so it's it's a confusing. Okay, let me. Gosh, everyone's named Cleopatra. Everyone's named Ptolemy. It's just the way of this world. Arsinoe is another one, and Berenice is the other one. They all have the same names. I don't know what to tell you. I didn't choose this life. I always get stressed when that's the case. Yeah. That information has been allocated to the wrong person. And that is absolutely something that has happened many times. The one thing that we can say about this Cleopatra herself is Mm -hmm. there are so many other aspects of her life that we are able to trace archaeologically, like legitimately Mm -hmm. that we are able to attribute it to the correct, like it lines up. It's Mm. the correct time period with the correct person. Um, Mm -hmm. And because of who, you know, the fact that she was an extremely famous and dare I say infamous woman in her own lifetime, um, Mm -hmm. we have many different accounts of her life that we can most likely say, you know, yeah, something along those lines happened. Let's just take with 12 grains of salt, the fool writing (laughs) it, you know, we're going to, um, as a departure from my hatred series on David Starkey, I am introducing a new love of mine. Her name is Stacey Schiff. She wrote a brilliant book on Cleopatra. Notice how a woman wrote an interesting, valid, like, balanced book about a woman in history it's so weird it's almost like they have better perspectives sometimes i don't know um not to say that women can't be misogynistic but oh my god we are uh, our own worst enemies oh my gosh I, I would say it's probably easier to get into the mind of someone that you intrinsically understand in that way yeah and also stacy schiff has a pulitzer prize so she's doing fine um love that she's for doing her. great yeah jeez, love that for her she's so cool I want to meet her. I'm adding her to my list of favorite historians. She goes next to Mary Beard and she goes next to Lucy Worsley and Gabby Spiegel, my advisor. And Let's bring them all on the pod. Oh my God. And then Ruth Goodman. Oh God, I love Ruth Goodman. Anyway, I, I would die. Anybody <gasps> knows these people. I mean, I know Gabby, but I'm not going to bother her. She's very important. Okay. Anyway. Look this up. Yeah. I'm not going to. Can you? I don't, I don't honestly know what Gabby's perspective would be. She'd be like, of course you're doing this. That's what she would say. Anyway, um, she's like, do you only ever study women in history? I'm like, yeah. And she goes, okay. I'm like, okay. <laughs> she has a brilliant book called Romancing the Past that's all about historiography that like completely changed the way that I pro- approached history and it's brilliant. I recommend mm-hmm. if anyone's interested in historiography, which is the study of the study of history, I, which is utterly fascinating. It's just understanding how we view our own past. Um, she's one of the greatest and her books are just phenomenal. Um, so I recommend that highly anyway. So Cleopatra is born into a weird family, the Ptolemaic Egyptian rulers, they're quote Pharaohs, but she's as far away from like, I don't know, like, Hatchesfoot and um, like all of the famous ones that we like to think of, like the old pharaohs, like the, mm-hmm. what's the fun, what's the common thing? Like the, the pyramids were, she was, she lived closer to the man getting like landing on the moon than she did to the construction of the great pyramids in Giza. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. like, this is a long time ago. Yes. But that was an even longer time ago. So right. yeah. she's actually pretty much a direct descendant from Alexander the Great, 
who's Macedonian. So she she is Macedonian. They're not like Egyptian. They didn't have very dark skin. They had like Middle Eastern slash kind of Hellenistic skin, if that makes any sense. So, you mm-hmm. know, we're not picturing a woman with a crazy fake tan. We're picturing someone who probably has skin like my mom. So if anyone knows that, it's like an olivey kind of skin tone. I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. Cause she's Middle Eastern. Um, but like in a light way anyway. So, you know, she's born into this really interesting family. They are very famous for incest, which isn't a great thing to be famous for. <laughs> I will say probably not. Um, her parents were probably maybe siblings? siblings. I can't tell. So there's a lot about her mom. Her mom is maybe um, Cleopatra V. Uh, mm-hmm. it, she could have died in childbirth. It's just really, we're not sure mm-hmm. about her mom. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So either way, if it is Cleopatra V, I believe that's her brother. Or cousin and husband. Okay. So, yeah. you know, it, it's an interesting kind of thing. It's it, There's a lot about keeping the bloodline pure. And that's something that we see right down to mainstream religions now. I mean, these are the people who are basically like, instead of like, I think in the um, kind of fundamentalist Mormon church, they have the like idea of the, you have the blood of Christ running in your veins. They have literally godly divine blood running in their veins and you don't want to you know, dilute that. And so right. how better to keep it in the fam than keeping it in the fam. So <laughs> I know it's pretty gross. Um, well, with modern understanding. Yeah. No, it was, it wasn't popular at the time. So she, <laughs> well, did they know about the potential birth defects? I mean, is that a thing that's no, no it was just like, just that's kind your of sister. weird to sleep with your, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so she, Alexandria is the this Greek city um, pretty much in like the north of Egypt and mm-hmm. it is like extraordinary. I have a picture Stacey Schiff's book has a wonderful diagram and picture of what that might have looked like mm-hmm. and um, it's, it's epic. Like think the Champs-Elysees but like cooler somehow and I only mm-hmm. say that because it's older and there aren't so many cars and I can see things, you know? <laughs> right, yeah, um, right. So it's this unbelievably multicultural city. It is richer than like everything else at the time. We are right at the end of the Roman Republic. So there she is, as we will come to find out, and I'm sure many people know, she's a contemporary of Julius Caesar, Mar- uh, Mark Antony, and Ptolemy the Great, and who's not related to her. Um and Pompey and all the above. So, mm-hmm. um, oh, and Octavian, later known as Augustus. We have words for this man. I digress. So she was raised w- extremely well-educated. Women in um, Egypt at the time, you know, the, the land that the Ptolemaic kind of dynasty ruled, had such extraordinary rights. I had no idea. It's so exciting when I learned this because anything Roman or vaguely Roman, the women were effectively treated as non-entities. Um, mm-hmm. They weren't allowed to say things. They weren't allowed to do anything. They were meant to literally disappear into the background and have tons of kids, which mm-hmm. is 
the de facto for extremely patriarchal societies. And I assumed the same, but I shouldn't have because there have been so many co-rulers of this Ptolemaic dynasty that are women. And so a lot of the time they're, they are um, ruling side by side with their husband slash brother. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, it, it, there was, and they could inherit. I mean, they could own land. They could do it, all of the things that we view as hallmarks of an enlightened quote, enlightened or semi-equitable society were enjoyed by women of this, you know, kind of early seven, seven DF BC era. And it's so mm-hmm. extraordinary to me just because that's not something that you find in the pre-modern world, like ever. Um, so that's so exciting that I found that out. That. Oh my gosh. I know. Thank I was you. like, Oh my gosh, good for the girls. Um, <laughs> Girlies. So Alexander the Great does his stuff. He conquers things, whatever. Um, and then they, what is it? She's descended quite a few generations down from him. Um, but effectively, much like the Roman um, Empire was well known for like the sheer amount of like murder and assassinations and machinations behind ruling the same Mm -hmm. with this. And they were all just killing their own family members. So it's pretty Mm -hmm. bloody, but again, we can't view this through our modern lens. It was pretty standard. So um, great. I'm not saying it was great. I'm just saying she, by the way, she spoke like how many languages did she speak? She spoke at least seven languages, at least. Amazing. Polyglot. Truly, was it at least Egyptian, Ethiopian, Hebrew, Arabic, Median, Parth, Parthian, Latin, and her native um, Koine Greek, which I'm not saying correctly. And she most likely also spoke Armenian, which as an Armenian is terribly exciting because no one even speaks that now. Um <laughs> right no one does it's a weird language i recommend everyone look it up and listen to it it's weird it's also kind of nice nice sounding um i digress for the umpteenth time so she it's so, i'm so confused because everyone has the same name so i'm going to try and be clear about it she was mm-hmm. born to ptolemy the 12th and possibly cleopatra the fifth right they also had a child berenice the fourth and we will go into her. So he also had, she also had younger siblings, Arsinoe the fourth, Ptolemy the 13th and Ptolemy the 14th. And they were born somehow after his wife died. I'm, I'm confused as to who their mother is, but they're there. Right. So either they, either he remarried or she didn't it's the same mom we just didn't know about her like we just never heard anything about her which could have been the case mm. so it's weird um so she was tutored as a child she grew up in this exquisite court um and she was tutored as a child by philostratos and she learned the greek art of oration and philosophy i mean what she mm-hmm. basically got to grow up going to the library of alexandria and studying there which is mm-hmm. so nuts so cool. oh my god so cool. can you what do you think that place smelled like can you imagine books like, which is the greatest smell in the world but can you imagine like <laughs> it's all papyrus too so it's like what, what kind of paper it's like different oh, heck yeah it's so exciting oh my gosh right mm-hmm. um so she 
I mean, she read some really extraordinary things and studied things. And, and the Greek art of oration is vastly different from, you know, what we would like to think as like a speech and debate now, if that makes any sense. I, she was mm-hmm. basically taught to learn how to argue professionally from a young age on, on any topic. And that was, that was just how it worked. Mm-hmm. So her father's known as Alides because that is quote, like the, it's the, it's this epithet that kind of refers to the flute player. Cause he always played this little flute. Um, Mm -hmm. and he was known as being a really dumb leader who would rather play his flute than defend his empire. So that's interesting. Relatable. Yeah. So he wasn't really very popular. Um, (laughs) everyone was, he and his daughter were exiled following a revolt. That daughter was most likely Cleopatra. It's hard to gauge. Again, trying to figure out timing y'all but it's tricky so mm-hmm. effectively the romans were getting involved a lot ptolemaic egypt was extremely wealthy like ext- i don't know how to describe how wealthy um stacy shift tried to kind of give context i think it was mm-hmm. that she was worth upwards of twelve thousand to fourteen thousand. um oh gosh what is it talents and um it <sighs> It was like, that was basically every gold coin. It was like the highest, the most expensive form. It would be like a hundred dollar bill in American money. Like it's the most kind of biggest form of money, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. a very like exquisitely well-paid person would have been paid like maybe 50 talents. Like the most overly wealthy person was worth that. So she was worth like... 12,000 to 14,000 of those. So mm-hmm. like an unfathomable amount of wealth, truly. Um, and so of course the Romans are like, I like that they're super wealthy. Maybe we can get up with that. And so they kind of try and um, get in there and, and annex the kingdom a lot, but Egypt is still fairly autonomous. Um, and so they end up having like, this weird relationship between the two of them. And um, you end up having this really interesting kind of relationship between them, which we'll see comes to like a massive head um, toward the end of her life. Um, So he dies. Is that what happens? Mm -hmm. Hold up. They all have the same name. I hate this. Here we go. Marcus Licinius Crassus um argued that they should annex Ptolemaic Egypt, but everyone's like, that's stupid. And so Ptolemy the Twelfth was like, let me give you all of my money, which is confusing, but I think he was like, I'm gonna kind of placate them instead of being like seen as a threat. And so he gives Pompey like a ton of money. And then Julius Caesar becomes a Roman consul and does the same thing, but he gave so much money that he ended up becoming like bankrupt and he acquired loans from a Roman banker, which made Hmm. everyone in his kingdom really angry. And so he, his brother was given the um, rule of Cyprus, but then the Romans in 58 BC annexed Cyprus. And then his brother, instead of enduring exile, killed himself. And let me just say suicide is an, is a, pretty common um thing that we'll talk about in this episode so but i'm you know i understand that's absolutely triggering so just be warned that's something that happens a lot um because the thought of being in exile or being held captive as a ruler was so 
unfathomable that they would rather um uh not be here like anymore. Their own lives. And, yeah. 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 And so it's it's just something that you find like people respect it as a form, which is so interesting because the people who are, yeah. oh, I respect the way they did it. I'm like, you were the ones trying to capture her. Like what? Anyway. Hmm. So basically his economic idiocy and um like the fact that he's pretty quiet on all of these weird economic and other kind of social and political disasters, the subjects kind of exile him, which is something that happens a lot, which is very interesting to me. And so he basically mm-hmm. goes, he he travels to Rome with Cleopatra and they end up um, living in Italy for a little bit. And they go to like Athens and, and uh, Rome. And then Berenice IV, his daughter, sends an embassy to Rome and says, I should be... Um, ruling my father's an idiot and then the father kills the embassy leaders and then the roman supporters like covered that up and so then the roman senate was like i don't want to help you get back to egypt and you know like help you get back your throne and so he he goes and instead resides at the temple of artemis in ephesus which is in like modern day Greece. It's really beautiful. I want to go so badly. And so then the Roman financiers who he's like completely under control of at this point are like, we want you to win. And so basically they give him 10,000 talents to like help him win. Mark Antony, by the way, uh, helped him, which is wild. Apparently later he confesses that he fell in love with the then 14 year old Cleopatra at the time. But I think that's all bullshit. So (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he ends up getting back. He he wins the battle and he executes her daughter, his daughter, Bernice the Fourth, and all of her supporters, seizes all their properties, and basically gets all this money. And he decides that he's going to designate Cleopatra and her brother Ptolemy the Thirteenth as his joint heirs. And then he just started building shit, which is like what people do. They're like, I win, let me dedicate everything to myself. And, um, yeah, I know. Right. Right. So Mm -hmm, he dies mm -hmm. around the 22nd of March, 51 BC, which I think is hilarious that we like know that (laughs) the exact date and right. That's more important than her birth probably. Oh yeah, totally. She's a woman. Um, Mm -hmm. we still love it, but she's a Mm -hmm. lady. Mm -hmm. So she ends up like going to, install a new sacred item that's like her first act as as queen is to um install this new it's a uh bucus or buckus bull and he's like an intermediary for the god montu in the ancient egyptian religion there's a really interesting like i'm obsessed with this this era for egypt because they're completely towing the line between being fully Egyptian and still ancient, like ancient Egyptian, while at the same time mm-hmm. being like thoroughly ensconced in, in Roman and Greek culture. And so it's this mm-hmm. whole kind of thing. Um, and so she ends up like completely ruling, like destroying. She's so awesome. So she inherits a really crappy kingdom. Technically, um, they're having really bad famine, 
that's caused by a drought, which has a low level, which is caused by the low level of flooding of the Nile. Um, and that mm. the Nile is like 100%. Like if the Nile was crappy and it didn't flood, then no one had any crops and everyone died. So it, they were completely at the whim of weather, which is so interesting right. to me. Um, right. And so effectively she inherited this really messed up kingdom. Her brother is like a lot younger than him. Um, and so by around the 29th of August, that same year, she's kind of putting forth that she is her own regnant ruler. Um, and so, it, you know, it, she was technically married to her brother, but he ended up kind of, he was still a child. I think he was like maybe 13 or something. I mean, he was pretty young. She was pretty young too, but he was really young. And mm-hmm. so he has a lot of really powerful allies though, who like don't want her to just be the only person. And so there's a lot of conflict, yada, yada, yada. And then he somehow gains the upper hand and um, his first regnal date is established in 49 BCE and she's kind of on the run. And so she's forced mm-hmm. to run and flee. And um, this comes into contact with, the, at the same time, Julius Caesar is in the Gaulish Wars where, by the way, he committed genocide. Everyone look it up. He sucked. Anyway, so um, then he crosses the Rubicon famously and he's like, Pompey, you suck. I hate you. And then Pompey has to flee. And then they all go and they help Pompey. Cleopatra and her her brother somehow, when they're first, when they're still together, they're like, we're going to help Pompey. And then that helped erase some of their debt that they owed to Rome. But then because she lost against her brother, she had to flee Alexandra and she went into Thebes. And then she was like in Syria with her younger sister, Arsinoe. And she was like trying to build up this force but she was completely unable to get there. And so effectively Pompey decides that he's going to go, he's losing against Caesar. This is all happening kind of simultaneously. So he's like, I'm going to go to Egypt and they're going to help me there. And then Ptolemy the 13th's advisors were like, "Uh, I don't know. We don't want to get involved in like a Roman civil war. And so in a scheme devised by Theodotus, who is a famous Christian theologian, y'all, he goes in and is like, here's what we're going to do. We're going to tell Pompey that he's totally invited in and then we're going to stab him to death. And that's exactly what they do. And so Ptolemy is like, I did a great job. And so he cuts off Pompey's head, embalms it and sends it to Caesar, who then is like, how dare you? And he's like crying over Pompey. And um, which, of course, he was trying to kill him in a civil war. So it's all stupid in politics. Um, And then through that, he's like, I want to get involved in Egypt because I don't think these brother and sister slash wife and husband should be uh, hating each other. So Caesar ends up like going to Alexandria to help. And so there's a lot of ideas about what happens next. But according to Stacey Schiff, and I will use her as an example. Mm hmm. Cleopatra's like camping out, right? She's outside of Alexandria, but she wants to be inside, mm-hmm. but she's camping out. And if she goes in, she'll be killed, but she needs to get to Caesar because she knew she could plead her case to him. And she was extremely well-spoken, very intelligent, intelligent, excuse me. And every later male writer will say that she went in there just to seduce this man. And that is so stupid. And I hate everything about it because also, by the way, everyone's like, oh, she's so beautiful. It's like, Apparently she was fairly, she was like not ugly, but she wasn't like the most beautiful woman in the world. It was that she was, had this capturing personality because she was so brilliant and really like put together, you know? So she goes in there and this is a great story. Like Mm -hmm. I said, she is inclined to having fun entrances. So one of her ladies 
like gets her to lie down underneath a boat and the lady's somehow able to like row into the city where then like a a conspirator of theirs like puts Cleopatra in a sack and then hauls that over his shoulder and then like brings her there. Um, Plutarch is kind of the one who's like asserting that story, but it is most likely true. And I'm obsessed with that. And so she goes to meet Caesar and it's not like something immediately happened between the two of them sexually. Obviously something does moving forward, but it's, it's that she said, look, I want to, I should be ruler. This is stupid. And then, um, Ptolemy's like, crap, my sister's in the palace. She's with Caesar. Oh no. And he's like, I'm going to bring up everyone to a riot. It's stupid. And then Caesar's like, that's dumb. And then, um, they bring them together in front of everyone. And somehow Caesar has the written will of their father. And it's like, they were supposed to be ruling together and then caesar's like i'm gonna get your younger siblings arsinoe the fourth and ptolemy the 14th to rule over cyprus together so that no one else is mad about like wanting to rule the egyptian throne and then it just kind of makes everyone kind of come together um and then they end up kind of having it's so weird. There's a lot of court intrigue. Someone gets murdered. It's kind of stupid, but they end up having to come together around 47 BCE. And at this point, Cleopatra is involved with um, Kaiser himself. And so Caesar's there. Everyone's attacking everyone. I don't really care. It's war, whatever. Then he wins, right? And Caesar wins. And Arsinoe the Fourth is captured, the sister, and she is in a very famous triumph in Rome that Caesar, it's like this huge, you know, procession that was Caesar was really famous for. She's actually like paraded as a captured person through there. And what's even more tragic is that at the time, Cleopatra was actually in Rome, very pregnant with Caesar's child, living in like the same palace as his wife. Hmm. it's all messed up so it's 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 unfortunate because it's so dramatic and it's so traumatic like all of it is so (laughs) much you know like it's just like and everyone has the same name so i'm trying i'm trying to keep track of it all but at some point sisters paraded as a a political prisoner which obviously is horrific and then she's exiled to the same temple that her father was and exiled the temple of artemis at ephesus and Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, Cleopatra is super pregnant, um, living in Rome where women have absolutely no political standing. Um, And Caesar's term as consul is coming to an end. But then Mark Antony's like, "Uh uh-uh, he should win forever. And then Caesar is able to help, like, quote, settle the issue of, like, allowing, uh, like, all of the stuff to happen in Egypt. Because, again, they still have such a vested interest in Egypt. And so then... He's like, I don't want your sister Bernice the fourth, who's like, I think still in exile herself. They don't want her as a joint ruler. Hmm. So that's when officially Caesar appoints her 12 year old brother, Ptolemy the 14th as a joint ruler with her in a sibling marriage. She's 22, by the way. And so they actually have to be married. They can't just rule together as friends. 
as friends. I don't know, but they, they call it an, a sibling marriage. Like that's the joint rule. So they don't necessarily have to consummate. They can just no, but Mona, many of them linked did. according to law. Ugh. Yeah, but most of them did. That's how they had kids. <laughs> I know. All right, keep going. So then. Caesar and Cleopatra went on this like crazy cruise of the Nile and she showed him around like everywhere in Egypt. That was awesome. And uh, it sounds insane. Like it sounds so cool. And they, I know, right? It just sounds Mm -hmm. cool. Um, But he ends up leaving and she ends up having his son, um, Caesarian or Caesarian, but it's like, that's anyway, Caesarian. It's Caesar. That's how you say it in Latin. Caesar Are you Kaiser. saying she had a C-section or that's the name of the no, kid? No, that's the name of her child. Caesarian c- or Caesar. Caesarian? Yeah, but it's not spelled the same way, I think, is it? Oh, wow. Anyway, he's also known as Ptolemy the 15th, so sure. you can call him whatever he wants. Mm-hmm. He was born in June of 47 BCE and like... Cleopatra totally made official declarations that Caesar's his dad. And Caesar's like, yep, I did that. It's so weird. It's so weird. But she's, quote, already married to her 12-year-old brother, which is her second brother marriage. And, like, it's just... The rules seem to be kind of out the window here. Yeah, she gets to do whatever she wants, which I kind of love. And, again, it's also foreign to me. And there's so little we know about, like, the official accounts because... Mm. like the people writing about her are either Plutarch or God Cicero don't even or Kikaro as you're supposed to say his name in Latin I hate this man I don't know how to describe how he's the Bernard of Clairvaux of Cleopatra's life as far as I'm concerned I loathe him I had to translate his stupid works so much and all he ever does is talk about himself in the third person about how he was the most brilliant man in the world i'm like i hate that's you. tough that's he tough. also hated cleopatra he said he found her arrogant and a whore and i'm like that's just because she was smarter than you and you have a small penis um checks out thank you anyway it's always overcompensation you know so She's back and forth to Rome maybe twice in this time period, possibly with her small child. Um, and then that's when she meets Cicero, who's like, I don't like you. And then, mm-hmm. um, but what's cool is like Alexan- like Caesar's time in Alexandria and in Egypt was hugely influential, influential on him. And so he ends up like using her members of her court to like revamp the calendar system, which like the Julian calendar they did that. That was one of her people. And they ended up, he ended up creating this insane temple of her. It was a golden statue of her um, that effectively equated her to the goddess Venus and also the goddess Isis, um, who's Hmm. Egyptian. And she ends up using that imagery a lot. And something I think that I've always found so wonderfully fascinating about female rulers who are able to have some control over their imagery is that they absolutely understand and use that imagery to their advantage. So Isis is this extraordinary goddess, right? And so it's this really important thing. Um, And it's 
it's just so cool because she ends up representing herself and using that imagery really strongly, which is something that we still see, you know, female rulers doing like Queen Elizabeth. She has a uniform that is entirely recognizable, right? Mm -hmm. And she Mm -hmm. wears those brooches that each have their own symbolic nature and the jewels that she chooses to wear at certain occasions all represent certain things. And at a Mm -hmm. different time period, we would, the public would know more of that. Like they would know what those things meant more. Um, Mm. but that, that's something that, you know, means a lot. And what's really cool. I had no idea. Cleopatra was in Rome at the Lupercalia festival where Mark Antony's like, let me crown you Caesar. And he's like, no, let me crown you Caesar. No. And then they end up like forcing him to become quote dictator. Do you know a really famous story? I don't know that story, but I do know about that festival. Yeah. How insane is the Lupercal? Isn't it nuts? It's nuts. And it. embarrassingly, my... <laughs> say it. Sometimes when we do this podcast, I think about the, the fact that when I say things, they're immortalized. So, you know, there's a, <laughs> there's a second of pause. Mm-hmm. Uh, I learned about it from the Sabrina Netflix show. <sighs> I feel lighter now that I've confessed I'm, that. I'm glad. You know what? <laughs> I was just going to say, I'm happy you knew about it at all. Uh, yeah, sure. You know, I guess you learn what you learn, however you learn it. That's true. That's so, the tagline for our show. It is. So what's interesting <laughs> is, again, yes. in a huge form of, like, symbolism, Mark mm-hmm. Antony's actually trying to, quote, crown Caesar with a diadem. And that was what Cleopatra was really famous um, for wearing. She was really famous for wearing a diadem. Um, and mm-hmm. Cicero, who was there, was, like, so fucking bitter about everything that he was like, ugh, I wonder where that thing came from. It's like, he probably oh, asked her out, and she said no. 100%, right? Like, 100%. That's probably And then a month later, English, a month later, on the Ides of March, Caesar was assassinated. And she was there. She was. And she stayed in Rome. And she was like, I want my son cesarean recognizes his heir but then his will named octavian his nephew um as being the heir and then octavian comes back into italy and then she's like i'm gonna go back i'm gonna go back to egypt and then she gets there and she's like oh i forgot about my brother husband so she kills him through poisoning and then what? her son is now her co-ruler when i say that they kill each other i mean it like they really do and there are no repercussions well, no, at all. She's in charge. She's in charge. Uh, okay. He was a, he was like a thirteen year old boy. Oh, he died mysteriously. Whatever it happened a lot. I guess so. Sure. You know what? Yeah. Okay. Great. <laughs> I'm 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 along for the ride now. Okay. So. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? 
For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Her son is the co-ruler, and now she really has absolutely no reason. She never needs to get remarried again because the person who is her co-ruler has effectively two direct lines. Um, he's, he's godly through two different things, right? She's a descendant of like the Egyptian gods and his father is now a God. Like Caesar was elevated to um, the, a godly rank after he died or was assassinated. Um, and so he's like super important and she's, and she's the co-ruler. So there's never any reason that she needs to get remarried again. She has like a completely autonomous rule at this point, which is epic. So mm-hmm. she's like kind of getting involved with shit. Rome's doing dumb things. Cause they're like, what, ab- why did you kill Caesar? And everyone's like, you wanted him dead. And they're like, I don't know. And it's all men. And I don't really care. And then um, she kind of helps out maybe the wrong side at first, but then she goes to help out both Octavian and Antony. And then she's not really able to do that at the same time. Like something happens I think like the ships were blown off course or destroyed in a storm, an act of God, if you will. And then Antony and her kind of get really close there. And so she doesn't want to go meet him, but um, he was like, uh-uh, I want to meet her. I've heard so much about this woman. And I think he probably met her when she was still with Caesar. And so around the summer of 41 BCE, he has his, um, like headquarters in Tarsos, which is in Anatolia, which is now in Turkey. And um, she finally goes. And the way she shows up, I'm, I have marked this book, this passage in the book, because I'm so obsessed. (gasps) She was like, I'm going to fucking go and it's going to be epic. Um, Because she didn't want to go, but now she's going. Um, And so she's like, fine, I'm going to go. And like, every because he's been traveling around a lot like conquering things so he's been met with like very lavish displays and she's like i'm gonna one up literally all of them and so i'm just gonna it's just so epic okay here we go it seems like what she did was she had a galley that she was traveling in that normally would have upwards of 170 rowers but she probably only had a third of them there because she didn't actually need them to row that quickly she was just like i'm gonna look epic right so she she's so cool they had silver oars and the river is like beautiful by the way and like the mediterranean and the river is like clear and blues picture it chloe picture it And, um, her barge is gilded. It has purple sails. Like it's a luxury river cruise. That's what we're picturing. And there was an orchestra of flutes and pipes and lyres assembled on the deck. And she was reclining and I'm quoting this beneath a gold spangled canopy dressed as Venus in a painting while beautiful young boys like painted cupids stood at her sides and fanned her. Her fairest maids were likewise dressed as sea nymphs and graces, some steering 
at the rudder, some working at the ropes, and wondrous odors from countless incense offerings diffuse themselves along the riverbanks. We love and a spectacle. Just, we love, oh my God. I can like, I see it. We love. I love yeah. it. Yeah. And so I love Stacey Schiff because she's hilarious. She ends up going, it was a very different approach from that of the girl in the hemp sack, though it yielded comparable results. Yeah. Uh, just referring to how she met Caesar versus how she's meeting Mark Antony. And right, she right, right. effectively like floated up to him and was like, oh, I'm so good at talking right now. How are you? And um, like, apparently he's just like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm invited to this like insane scene. And so- I think I would feel the same, yeah. Yeah. So effectively she- gives the first dinner because that was the mark of status and so she if this dinner is so stupid it there were 36 couches over 12 banquet rooms and they were all adorned in rich textiles behind them hung purple tapestry embroidered with glimmering threads her table was set with golden vessels elaborately crafted and encrusted with gems and she was draped in jewels and pearls and um like crazy bracelets and earrings and she was like oh she says i i was in a hurry i'd do better next time and then she says that all of the objects that she brought were a gift to her and his friends and she and the guests she sends them all off with like everything like the textiles the tableware and the couches and then she sends him to the next one so on the next evening he antony arrives to a knee-deep expanse of roses that cost alone what was a talent, like a single talent, which was what six doctors would earn in a year. And there was all people its are dying. I know that. <laughs> people are hungry. Yeah, well, she sends them out with all of these gifts. Again, all the, coach- uh, the couches and the sideboards sure. and the tables. And she sends each of them off with a torch-carrying Ethiopian slave. What? Yeah. That's that's the goodie bag is a human being. Yeah. Welcome to the Just ancient checking. world, unfortunately. Just um, checking. Yeah, yeah. So she's like fully just showing him everything. And he is literally like traveling around, like conquering things to get money. And so, I mean... He's like, I want to throw you a feast. But she's just like, okay, fine, I'll go. And it's like not even close to like what she did. And she was like, oh, that's so funny. I know. I'm mm-hmm. better. <laughs> and um, it seems like she really took on this persona around him. And I think that there was a mutual attraction. I think it seems like there was like this mutual thing. But it was also, I, it wasn't just that she was like, oh, he's a hot, powerful man. I want to seduce him. It was absolutely, she's like, I need more kids because I only have one and he could die. Right. And she goes, mm-hmm. he's extremely powerful. Probably she deemed him powerful after Caesar. And, you know, he was a triumvir, which means he could restore like all of the lands that had been taken by the Romans that were her families, like to them. And so it seems like, you know, he shows up, he's so taken with her and she's like, this is good. Like I can make this work politically. And let's not forget that marriage and sex and children are political bargaining chips. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they make this deal effectively. um, 
she's gaining control again of some of the lands that she lost. And by the spring of 40 BCE, he ends up, Antony leaves Egypt. He has to go to Syria and um, she gives him 200 ships basically as a payment for her like reacquired territories. And by the end of that year, she has given birth to twins, a boy named Alexander Helios and a girl named Cleopatra Selene II. And of course, Alexander, like the sun and Cleopatra, the moon. And he fully acknowledges them as his children again, which is amazing. And so, yeah, I know twins again, she's giving birth to these kids. Naturally. I feel so bad for her. Anyway. Terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. It's horrific. She survived it though. Oh, fully. She's got one more to pop out. So she ends up, Basically, what she's doing is, again, she's using symbolism, imagery, and things that people would understand to kind of evoke a new era. And it is that the sun and the moon, right? They're kind of this, like, combination that forms uh, to, to, I don't know how to say it. English is hard for me at the moment, apparently, even though I'm I'm not really bilingual. Um, You're doing great. (laughs) Thanks, friend. Um, They kind of come together just to show that there's going to be a new beginning. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what I meant to say. And also, because Antony goes off and he's going to conquer the Parthians, apparently, which, spoiler alert, he fails at. Um, But she names her son Alexander to, like, evoke Alexander the Great, which, you know, all of the, he he was, he ruled over one of the greatest empires of all time. So Mm -hmm. she's like, guys, I'm so setting up my kingdom for success, you know? Um. Yada, 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 war. King Herod gets involved. He sucks. Antony and Cleopatra don't love each other that much because he gets married to Octavia, who's Octavian's sister, and they end up having these kids. But she's, like, super secure in Egypt. And Herod, who's the only one who, like, basically is a threat to her, is very occupied with a war in Judea. And so she's like, whatever. And so... Effectively, they end up, he, Antony ends up going to Antioch because they have a couple different, like, stupid war things happening. And he's like, can you come here, please, and also help my Parthian campaign? And so she brings her now three-year-old twins, and um, they end up, like, meeting their dad for the first time. And he gives her more domains. So, like, he effectively gives... Like, oh gosh, I mean, he's established, they're establishing a, like a ruling dynasty in the East. It's really extraordinary. Um, mm-hmm. And so what else is going on? Octavian and Antony like love, hate each other. It's a lot. I don't really care. It's just a lot of men being like, I'm important. Caesar loved me more. And he's like, no, he didn't love me more. And then who cares? So it seems like around 36 BCE, around the same time, she, such a queen, ends up getting, like, her face on a coin in the sure, Roman yeah. Empire. In the Roman Empire, though. Heck yeah. Epic. Um, and she ends up giving birth to a second son with Antony, Ptolemy Philadelphus. And... Basically, 
Anthony, Anthony sucks. He does not do well in the Parthian campaign, not least of which because Artavastes, the second of Armenia, hey, people I'm related to, defected to the Parthian side and like kind of destroyed everything for them. So he's kind of a bad guy in this story. Mm. Um, don't worry, they end up capturing him and executing him. So everything's fine. There's just so much war. I'm just going through again. I'm just trying to track what's going on in this woman's life. And all I can, if I have to skip over dumb things because I don't really care that much about war. And if I have to say anything that's important, it's that she navigates this so adeptly. Like it's Mm. extraordinary. I mean, she's traveling around. She's going to Rome. She's going back. She's traveling around the entire Mediterranean. She's giving, she's giving support to the Roman empire. Mm -hmm. Like she's giving them support to do things. That's not normally what I think about. So Mm -hmm. people betray other people. Octavian and Antony still hate each other. And then effectively they end up beating the Armenian king and his family and they capture them and they have a military parade, like effectively like a Roman triumph. And Antony comes back and he gives the royal family as prisoners to Cleopatra And, um, like this was a really big event because it was effectively like a Roman style political statement of like a victory in battle. And it was very Roman. So it was, you know, super full of gods and everything like that. And everyone in Rome was like super pissed that an Egyptian queen held one, which I think is hilarious. Um, by the way, she was dressed up as Isis and Antony was dressed up like the god Dionysus, who's just drunk everywhere. So that's interesting. Hmm. And then her son is declared the king of Armenia, Media, and Parthia. Her youngest son is declared the king of Syria and Sicilia. Her daughter is the queen of Crete and Cyrene. And apparently maybe Antony and Cleopatra may have been wed, even though he was already married back in Rome. So they end up like he sends a report to Rome going like, Oh, I've granted everyone these lands. I they're called, it's called the donations of Alexandria and they want to ratify it. But then Octavian's like, you guys are so ridiculous. I hate you. I'm not, I'm going to publicize it. So everyone hates you, but then they have it censored because people liked Anthony at the same time. And then again, Anthony and Octavian hate each other yada, yada, yada. And all at the same time, we're getting people who start to say that it's all because of Cleopatra. All because of her. Oh, of course. It's a propaganda war. And they're saying like, she brainwashed him with witchcraft and sorcery. She was like Helen of Troy. She destroyed civilizations. Pliny the Elder claims that she once dissolved a pearl worth tens of millions of like money in vinegar just to win at a dinner party bet, which by the way, Um, someone tried to replicate and it took a really long time and it was really impractical. Um, so it doesn't really make sense. And someone did that though. I know. They're like, well, let's just figure it out. So what's so in conclusion mm -hmm. probably didn't happen. Oh my God. No, she, pearls were more valued than diamonds. She wasn't going to dissolve one of those. (laughs) She's going to wear one. She's going to add it to her crazy chain of diamonds. But it's Um, easy to believe that a witchy, bitchy woman would. Well, of course, that's what we're supposed to do. Of course, of course. Isn't that what we do? That's what we do. That's how we gain power, not because we're well-educated and in a position of privilege 
and you know to be able to do that no we cast spells yeah of course come on yeah why do you think she has all that incense by the way the romans were obsessed with incense so how do they not a bad theory i know (laughs) so stupid so now everyone has turned on her Oh, oh my god! Of course. Okay. Well, they. She was always an outsider. What I think is really interesting is she never really succumbed to that pressure. I mm. wonder if it's because she had a kind of an elevated sense of self, or instead, if it was. I don't know. And God, I again, I'm adding her to my table. I want to meet and talk to her and just ask her a couple questions. I'm like, where did you find the strength? What motivated you? What was happening? I just want to know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't question anything you did because that was your choice. It's your life. You have the power. You have the position. I respect you. I just want to know the why. I want to know what what prompted it. You know, because she report back when you when when she answers. I will. Can you imagine if I actually my like ideal dinner table actually came to life? I would die. It'd probably be actually a little too intimidating to properly ask questions. That's fair, but Maybe what it, if I could just, like, listen to them talk? I would love it if it wasn't as interesting as we think. <laughs> I really, I was going to say, I really hope it's not, actually. Yeah. If it was, like, m- just a mundane conversation. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like, Sometimes, oh, you use that for especially, Oh. Especially in, yeah, <laughs> oh, my God. Especially in this episode so far, which has felt like a lot of, like details about events or, or mm-hmm. uh not details like l- lists of events in a way yeah sometimes i think about like the morning of like what right what happened during that day what did she that's say all i want to know I and know. it's hard because like i want to give context so we can understand like just how well, no we absolutely can't yeah but, but also like all I want to know is go like, so what were you feeling, girl? Like, tell me, walk right. me through, walk me through that like crazy trip up the river in your barge. Just I know. The, walk yeah, me I was trying, I was thinking about the picturing that and literally like the mundane conversations that happened around these things. Oh yeah, I want to know. Like, re- I want to know the not interesting. <laughs> you know? But do you know that's isn't that funny that what we consider to be interesting or not interesting, I think, is so backward because I find what mm-hmm. we would declare like the base to be the most interesting because mm-hmm. it's what we populate our, our lives by. Right. So every day we live our lives doing yeah. things that aren't necessarily preserved for future generations to discover. And so right. if we're, you know, maybe they'll understand like, Oh, this event happened, this event happened, this event happened fine. And that's what's left behind because it's what we left in scripted for people. And mm. it's the perception we wanted to leave. Right. We always have to remember there's a, an inherent bias, but what we're missing is the fact that like, I don't know, you know, like the day-to-day lives, the fact that like tonight, I don't know what I want to make for dinner yet. And I'm going to figure something out. Yeah. And whatever I make might be bad and I might hate it. And, and how much you can learn though. Like, I know. But how much, how much you can learn from how people deal with those types of mundane situations. What was the curse word they used to scream out when they stubbed their toe? I want to know that. Love that. Yeah. Because it's it's, yeah, it's yeah, an yeah. automatic response. I want to know that. And also every person in history that we discuss it as children. I mean, mm-hmm. children are crazy. Yeah, <laughs> like, what was your kid do? What what was the equivalent right. of your child drawing on the walls, Cleopatra? Yes. Oh my gosh. I mean, also you had around. twins. They constantly need to be entertained. They're like Jesus. doing socially unacceptable stuff 24 I mean, I bet, like, you know. I bet she didn't have love. to deal with it. But, I was going to say that. I was going to say that, yeah. but still people are weird. 
And I want to know the weirdness. I, I'm I surprised by how much I can track her movements because that's also something that's usually not yeah. easy to do. But it's Rome and they kept a lot of records, so I get it. Right. But again, I'm reading so much about these things and I'm trying to get dates in order for my mind because if I can distill it down to basic dates, I'm not being like filled with all the negative speak by Plutarch and Cicero right. and all the idiots, right, right, right. you know? So it's, it's hard like because if effects. I were to go on about that, they're all like, God, this woman. And I'm like, okay. I guess we could always do that, but then believe the opposite. I mean, that's kind of what I do. It, I always yeah. say with Eleanor, at least I always kept this in mind is, you know, the priest went on and on about how she was a Jezebel and the devil incarnate. And mm. the troubadours went on and on about how she was literally like grace on earth. And obviously the truth exists somewhere in the middle. So the same must be said for someone like Cleopatra, who has such an intense reputation even now. Right. And all of the things yeah. I had a perspective on for her turn out to legitimately not be true. And the only thing I understood was that I knew she wasn't like actually Egyptian. <laughs> like I did know that, but, right, right. and I knew that, you know, she lived contemporarily with Antony and Octavian and Caesar and all the above. Thanks Shakespeare. But like, I don't know. I just didn't understand that she effectively led armies at a time when like men really resented the fact that she was there in the field trying to lead an army. Like well, she was that, doing that. She was raising me, troops and they were like, why are you here? You're bad luck. <laughs> right. To me, that 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 is a clear reason why she would be written about so negatively. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It makes well, sense. she she, you know, seduced these powerful men. Right. I don't know. And they like basically blame her for like Caesar's the beginning of his decline and like his assassination. And and then they they entirely blame her for the collapse of the Ptolemaic reign and also for right because nobody death. else was doing anything that had any no one else on had anything, anything to Just do with her. he would no one else was in charge Antony had no agency over his own actions <sighs> by the way he whines like a little you know what I'm listen I'm trying not to be rude <laughs> I hate him he's such a little baby like he's just going you're trying not to be rude you are trying but it's the truth, Chloe. How do I how do I balance the truth? Wow. That's a deep question. I'll never That's its own episode. It. That's yeah, its own geez. episode. <laughs> I'm gonna go off slight tangent. There we might have a document, a papyrus document that dates from 33 BCE that might have her signature on it. Ooh. For the Instagram, you mean? Yeah, but the world, we might have that. How cool is I mean, come on. Cool. It's a tax exemption too. That's how I know she was an awesome ruler because she was like, let me write about dumb shit, you know? Mm -hmm. And what's cool mm -hmm. is the document's written clearly like a scribe would have written it, but at the very bottom in Greek and in different handwriting, it says effectively make it happen or so be it, which is like the practice of the Ptolemaic rulers to like avoid forgeries and stuff and basically says like, let's do it, mm -hmm. put this into action. And it's mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. That could she cool. her hand could have mm. held an implement and put it on that paper with ink that someone made and written things on it. That she would have touched that. Do you understand how cool? I'm oh a god. I can't even deal. Oh, I can't even deal. <laughs> you know, 
Yeah. Cool. Very cool. No. <laughs> it's like just me. Um. It's not. It's not just you. I. I just. She. She touched some stuff. I love it. Right. Sure. It's so cool. I mean, <laughs> I I believe she touched many things in her life. Yeah, but, but I could look at something. The cool that thing she is touched. that right. Is it in a museum or something? You're saying? Yeah, it is. Cool. Let me find out where it is. Where are you? Where are you? See that to me. That to me is cool. Like to to oh, be. Oh, and it was later in, used in to wrap a mummy. It. I will say to be in person with it is probably different than like hearing that she touched something. Do you know what I mean? That's true. Yeah. But <laughs> it was probably used to wrap a mummy. That's cool. also cool. Also cool. Right? That must have been a special person inside of there. Or they're like scrap paper solid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess that is the flip side. Yeah. <laughs> No, I feel like mummies are usually pretty sacred on their own, regardless of who's being mummified. Yeah, that's very true. I like that. I like that. Mm-hmm. This is so unrelated, and I apologize in advance. I don't know if you're Googling the museum right now, if I could fill the space a little bit. I was watching a Vogue home uh, tour. Oh, boy. Yeah, thank you. Was it one of the 73 questions that I think are so ridiculous, no. but I can't no, help no, but no, watch? No, 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 no. Okay. It was, okay. It's a series called Objects of Affection, and hmm. celebrities will lead you through their home and show you their objects of affection. I haven't watched this one. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. And the designer, Rick Owens, was doing one. Ooh. And, uh... <sighs> <laughs> my opening a can of worms basically <laughs> the prized possession of the household was uh, a sarcophagus basically like a real he, what like a real one and was uh, it in a temperature controlled room i hope so i don't know it was in was his living out room. it was exposed yep was there sun and on it no, no, no. Uh, I don't think that makes this any better. But he uh, he was like in talks with sarcophagus dealers. And he was like That's... waiting for the one that was like fit his color scheme. And I really felt uncomfortable with the idea I mean that's like putting a coffin in your home. Well, I don't I don't even know if it is this I I, I had trouble finding I'm really mad right now. Do examples. you know that, that is most likely part of the illegal like antiquities trade? But that's see, really messed up. Now right, okay, just just on the basis of it being an extremely sacred object. Yeah, that too. That has been like uh ripped from wherever it's from. Mm-hmm. It it bothered me on that level. Mm-hmm. That's fair. <laughs> but also, but also, well, just I don't know. I think that those are sacred, and I wouldn't want to like touch or move or uh, tamper with. Something you shouldn't that is touch it in that way. Yeah, but it seemed like it was like <laughs> the prized possession of the home, and it was weird to me. And I looked through hundreds of comments trying to find 
people who were angry about it and i didn't see any and hmm. uh also it's proudly on vogue like nobody decided to edit that out or censor it or any i, I was just so I'm confused gonna watch it. i need I was, to do some research i need to figure out yeah i i was trying everything. to figure out if i was overreacting or if it was just like really shockingly bad that that was in his home <laughs> it was such a tangent but i'm slightly no it's a good one because i'm this, really mad i'm now i'm just mad this, uh, um to this woman of history that's slightly. insane how is that right mm-mm Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I, 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 I was trying to uh, like maybe there's something I'm missing maybe it was a replica no. and I didn't hear that oh Still I hope weird. It, but if he was in touch with like antiquities dealers dealer. that's yeah and also it's I like, hope it's you know, a wealthy designer I'm sure it's it mattered to him <sighs> that it was real yeah I'm furious I gotta look this up so bizarre we'll keep you all updated I need to know I need <laughs> to know <laughs> I don't um, know how, but maybe we will. <laughs> dude, I'll find a way. I have a friend who works. Yeah, at I mean, if anybody, if anybody feels similarly, go check out that episode. It was, oh yeah, uh, very bizarre to me, and it really it like opens the episode, and then it's like the highlight of the episode. It was, it's really weird. Is it, it in was the on, like little? Um, it's on YouTube. Clip. Oh yeah, well I'm gonna watch it now. And I'm oh yeah, it's everything. probably honestly, it's probably the cover photo for that video. The the that's thumbnail. what I was thinking. Yeah, thumbnail, thumbnail. That's the word thumbnail you know i make youtube videos every single week and for some reason i can never remember the word thumbnail that's okay it's a weird because it doesn't really make sense no why is it called that thumbnail nail i have a thumbnail i have two yeah now that i'm thinking about it but why does that refer what's the etymology <laughs> of thumbnail? more confused okay you look that up i'm gonna figure out the sarcophagus thing we'll get back to all of you it's important so sorry just a quick update yeah (laughs) if anybody lacks patience similarly to me the answer to the etymology stop it (laughs) (laughs) a reference to the human thumbnail which alludes to the small size of an image or picture comparable to the size of the human thumbnail i would like to personally say that i disagree with this and that thumbnails are larger than my thumb huge that's all i have to say i also happen to have very small nails like my like nail buds are they're small but even i'm like i've seen normal ones i know that's wrong wait sorry quick deeper dive into history i feel like it's relevant this is a historical podcast after all it is it is uh 1600 and meaning more so a drawing or sketch of a small size not oh. thumbnail of a video. So it just means like a small. They're drawing. thinking that thumbnail is from around 1600 and then a drawing or sketch of small size is potentially from around 1852. Well, now I got to look this up. I just, that's what I did. No, I know, but that's I need where to we know. Are. I need to know what the ephemera <laughs> associated with thumbnail would be. I need to know. I need to know. I just because yeah. I know I know about broadsides. I know about all the other things. Like, well, what's, right, what are right, thumbnails? Right. Did I learn this? Oh God! Now I'm like, did I not pay attention to my whole class on ephemera? No, I paid attention. They're saying that this is about thumbnail sketches. That thumbnails on YouTube. Well, you said are... thumbnails began around eighteen something. 
uh, thumbnail sketches, they're saying. Oh. This is very interesting to me. 1852. I apologize. This episode is 10 years old. Brought to you by... Let us... Let us return to the okay. topic at hand. <laughs> so we'll just effectively the war with Octavian and Cleopatra just continues. And oh, excuse me, Octavian, Antony, and Cleopatra continue. Mm-hmm. And Antony and Cleopatra become closer and become more of a unit. He she convinces him around 32 BCE to send a declaration of divorce to his wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that in his claim like in his will effectively like he so octavian like seizes anthony's will which is invested with the vestal freaking virgins he against like sacred rights and legal rights he gets the document and he uses it as propaganda against them he only chose wait for it selective passages where he claimed that caesarian was the heir to caesar which it was caesar's only like lawfully begotten son well i guess not lawfully Mm -hmm. but like biologically right, 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 that the right. donations of alexandria when uh anthony was like you get this and you get this that w- that that was legal and that anthony wanted to be buried alongside cleopatra in rome instead of in egypt instead of rome and that alexandria is the new capital of the roman republic and then octavian was like i refuse and so he's like you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna build my own mausoleum at the campus Martius. so fuck you and mm-hmm. all the public apparently like as a show to the public and like, how dare he? And then, effectively, it's all excuse. Um, and Antony, like, Octavian, with that will being public, they effect- effectively and officially declared war on Cleopatra, not on Antony. And the legal argument for that was based on the fact that she was providing military support to Antony's, to Antony because he was now, quote, a private citizen, not a triumphal authority because that had apparently expired but even though it was really because she had gained all this territory and was ruling with her children and all the above and so he also octavian wants to invade egypt also to collect the rest of the debts that were owed to caesar by i'm so sorry my dog is screaming in the background guys he's fine um so he wants to get all the debts back whatever it's all stupid um they have more, Antony and Cleopatra have more troops, but it was kind of a mismatch of people. It, it wasn't a professional force and a bunch of horrible things happened and it all kind of fell apart. And so um, there was the Battle of Actium. It was a huge uh, naval battle. And um, unfortunately they lost really severely. And there was this like turn of the wind where, um, Cleopatra like was more concerned about uh, like defending Egypt itself. And so she didn't want to like withdraw to the Peloponnesian area. She instead Mm -hmm. like flees and tries to go um, like defend Egypt. Um, And so all of the like Roman writers are like, how dare she, she cowardly deserted Antony and she didn't want to do it. But apparently it like, wasn't that it was the fact that, she had a ton of treasure aboard, didn't want Octavian to have it and wanted to go make sure she was home to defend her country. Um, and so apparently Antony was like really bitter about that, which is really stupid. And so they avoided each other, but her ladies and waiting are like, y'all should get back together. And then eventually on the 3rd of September, which is like only a day or two later. So I don't know what they're going on about. Um, 
everyone defected and it ended. And they landed in Egypt. The couple kind of separated again. And then she just immediately went back and in a like kind of pretended that there was a victory so that the people wouldn't freak out. And mm-hmm. then it seems like what she did was just immediately go and execute every single rival to the throne, like immediately. And she was trying to get um, alliances with people who actually owed her. Like she had gifted them things or shown her, you know, loyalty to them. But of course in her time of need, they just completely ignore and desert her. And Mm -hmm. Octavian now is more concerned by anything. He just wants to get rid of um, Antony. He's like, I don't really give a shit. I just hate him. And so she's Mm -hmm. kind of seeing that he's a bit of a liability. And so she wants to leave Egypt with Caesarian, but obviously, you know, she's not really able to do that safely. Um, And so unfortunately her fleet gets completely burned. And so she's not really able to escape Egypt And so she starts to try and negotiate with Octavian. And apparently now pro-Octavian propaganda saying that she's testing poisons on her prisoners and on herself and servants. And it's like, okay, whatever. And so, or excuse me, I meant her servants. Sorry. Yeah. So I was like, it's all this whole thing. She's trying to assert that her children will inherit Egypt and that Antony can live there in exile. And she sends Mm -hmm. Octavian like money and gifts as a sign of like, good faith and he sends he keeps the gifts and sends um his diplomat back that says that's fine just kill antony so that we don't that you you don't die and she's like i'm gonna light myself and all of my treasure on fire so you should reconsider and then he's like (laughs) nah that's okay and so they're all negotiating it's all a bit ridiculous she's literally building herself a tomb a mausoleum quickly to be able to do that effectively. And so Octavian kind of lands in Egypt. Um, they, his fleet surrenders to Octavian. She immediately sends herself to the tomb and with all of her close attendants and apparently sent a message to Antony that she had committed suicide. I don't, I only read that in one place. So I don't know if that's actually the case. So then Plutarch, so I hate Plutarch sometimes. Um, and so apparently Antony's so distraught, even though they hated each other kind of by the end, because they both, I think, realized like what had happened, you know, um, stabs himself in the stomach, but he's really bad at it. So he doesn't actually die for a long time. And so um, he was like brought bleeding to Cleopatra, who like displays a huge show of, dis- you know, distress at, at that. And um, unfa- unfortunately, you know, he dies. She tries to get permission to bury him. But at the same time, um, Octavian's companion kind of was able to get into her tomb using a ladder and um, basically like physically captured her and then um, made sure she couldn't do anything at that point. So it was kind of over. So she embalmed, she's allowed to embalm and bury Antony within her tomb and she's escorted back to her own palace. Hmm. And Octavian seizes her kids, her three youngest kids, and he gives this, quote, speech of reconciliation, but settles in the palace and, like, kidnaps her. And she's meeting with him, and she says to him, I will not be led in triumph. Like, I I will not be. And he says that he's Mm going to keep her alive, but he doesn't say anything else. And and then a spy told her that Octavian's going to move her and her kids to Rome in three days. And so she's like, I basically, I think she's hearkening back to what happened to her sister, right? Being led through Rome in a triumph. And she 
She's like, I won't, that won't happen to me. It won't happen to my kids. It's not sure exactly where this happened, but um, in August of 30 BCE, she's 39 years old and it's not really sure how she did this. It's most likely with poison. Um, Cleopatra takes her own life and two of her servants also do that. Um, Whoa. Arias and um, Carmion. And that's actually very rare. So it was a big sign to the people that like she was wronged that like her two most devoted servants like went with her effectively mm-hmm. um plutarch just effectively is saying like they kind of all introduced the cobra thing or the, i think it's a part of like you know exoticism or whatever and also she's this like mm-hmm. what a what a wild woman that she killed herself by using a snake but um right you know right, that's right. not that's not probably what happened she in some of her last moments sent her oldest son Caesarian to upper Egypt. Um, and unfortunately he ruled for about 18 days and he was executed by Octavian on the 29th mm-hmm. of August and 30 BCE. And mm-hmm. Octavian had told him that he would be allowed to be King and instead just killed him. Um, Yikes. and then that was the end of the Ptolemaic kingdom. Egypt became a Roman province, Hellenistic Egypt and the entire Hellenistic age that like started with Alexander the Great was, mm-hmm. was done. Octavian was called Augustus. That's he's the same dude. And he becomes Rome's first emperor. Um, and he's given these like insane constitutional powers. Um, and so that's kind of unfortunately what happened. Um, the great like classic, educated fabulous kind of metropolitan city and area that was alexandria and egypt now kind of gave way to rome and so they kind of took all of the things they liked from that and kind of just claimed it as their own um and so yeah unfortunately her her tomb and the tomb that she's buried with um she's actually buried with antony um, apparently it, it's not, no, it's never been discovered. Um, and so, uh, there's a lot of debate about her, but I think what's so interesting is, you know, I've been able to read a lot about her and I knew nothing. Like what I knew was so right. little, it was, yeah. it was wild. And, yeah, but you know, what's yeah. fascinating to me is her three children were brought back to Rome and Octavia, Octavia, who was, I think Mark Antony's wife raised them as her own. Hmm. That's pretty cool. Oh no. So yeah, she's this wanton heathen and everyone, you know, pretty soon after the propaganda was happening during her own lifetime. So she wasn't really able to like escape it moving forward. But, you know, I think we're starting to see, I hope at least that we're starting to see more of a rehabilitation of these women who, you know, clearly Mm. don't deserve to have such, horrible stories told about them that aren't necessarily true at all. Um, and you know, she was just this, what an extraordinary leader. And she was able to have, you know, she had a great legacy of female rulers who came before her that she could draw inspiration from, but obviously no one's captured our imagination quite like her. And I think obviously that has a lot to do with like, the propaganda around her and her quote influence on really important men. But I think it's just, 
I'm so fascinated by her rule. Like she oversaw so much and so much of history that we view as being entirely Roman, right? Like it, it was so much more international, if you will. And she's, I mean, we have depictions of her in possibly contemporaneous um, or contemporaneous like sculptures and coinage and things like that. And even maybe a signature of hers. And these are things that I never would have thought could exist. And mm-hmm. I'm just, I loved getting to know her. And now I really hate Cicero more than I thought I ever could. <laughs> Which is saying something. That's, that's the main. That's the main takeaway. That's here. the takeaway. If anyone's had the misfortune of reading that man, you know, you know, you know what I'm talking about. But I want to. No. I don't want to end on his note. She was a badass. No, no. Yeah, I'm yeah, fascinated yeah. by her, and I think yeah. in the end, Octavian like threw a hissy fit that he wasn't able to like. I don't know, keep her as some horrible, like unfortunate enslaved individual and a mm-hmm. wretched one who would die in prison or go mad, which is what happened to people. And that she instead claimed, you know, she effectively tried at least, I think, to maintain control over her own story. Mm -hmm. And I'm fascinated by that. I think that's so, you know, interesting. And can I just say, she's supposed to go to Caesar and everyone's like, what a wanton woman. She was 100% a virgin. So don't get on us, people. Don't. Not that that Everyone is a mark of in. virtue or anything, but it was at the time. And there was a big deal about purity culture, which y'all mm-hmm. know is still mm-hmm. a stupid thing. And mm-hmm. all I can say is like, everyone's like, she was such a whore. And she legitimately only had maybe two sexual partners her whole life. And that would be Caesar and Antony. Well, that's what and we it do. And most here. likely is because. Set the record straight. She just wanted to have kids to ensure that her dynasty could continue. And she right. did that. So there, I'm fine. So there, now you know, probably more than you did before, unless we Cleopatra. have a Cleopatra expert. I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't either. But now we all know, and that's exciting. Isn't it? <laughs> it is. I'm so Love excited. It. Love it's it. The best. Um, right. Thank you all for tuning in. Yes. We'll be posting Instagrams. Behind the scene. (laughs) (laughs) Not of us, but of her. Uh, Anything that we can find for your visual enjoyment uh, Mm -hmm. at Historically Badass Broads on Instagram. And we'll see you the next first Wednesday of the month. How exciting is that? Oh my gosh. Can't believe it, guys. Can't believe it. Cannot cannot believe it anyways Mm-mm. here's some uh, medieval music for you hey it's danny pellegrino from everything iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget check out quince they've got all the good stuff shirts and polos activewear and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands and the best part they're all about safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order that's quince.com slash upgrade